could have sworn one of these sober old fellas up on the wall winked his eye at me just now. I'm sure the glory's getting round the wall. Some of them look as though they've never had a smile in their lives, some of these old fellas here. I'm sure they've never had a touch of the glory to look like that. And I'm sure they're not used to, to such music and such dancing. But I'm convinced of this, bless the Lord, that this can meet anybody anywhere. Our brother mentioned about those that are dead and those that are alive. Well, old Lazarus, he came forth, didn't he? Well, some of these here, they've had their day. But you haven't had your day. You haven't had your day. These have had their day and they've gone. But this is your day. No, my brother, my sister, God is on the move. It's only half of us, but it's all that I, I, I feel the Lord has given me. It's only half of us, but this is what it says. It's in Psalm 78, on the fifth verse, and it says this, speaking of the Lord, for he established, he established a testimony in Jacob. He established a testimony in Jacob. Have you ever thought what that means? Our God is so great and so wonderful, he could establish a testimony of all people in Jacob. It's like saying of a salesman, he's such a good salesman, he could sell ice cream at the North Pole or fur coats at the equator. And if a man could sell fur coats at the equator, or if he can sell ice cream at the North Pole, he's a good salesman. Amen. Well, if my God... If my God can establish a testimony in Jacob, he can do anything. Have you heard? Have you heard? Did you know what sort of a fellow Jacob was? Did you know? He was a twister. He was a schemer. He was always planning and scheming and supplanting, you know, the story through and through. But God met that man. God met that man. And he said to him as a prince, thou hast prevailed with God. And your name shall no more be Jacob. It shall be Israel. Israel. God changed his name. God changed his name. And he was a new creation. Bless the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I believe in an impossible gospel. Now, the challenge to me is always where it's impossible. If God can put his flag up at the North Pole, if God can establish a testimony in Jacob, well, then he's my God. And I want to say, if there's one person in this meeting tonight, and as far as you are concerned, you are that impossible person, I tell you, this is your day. You needn't look at these old fellows up on the wall here and think, well, I've had it as much as they've had it. I tell you, the Lord Jesus said to Zacchaeus, this day, this day, this day has salvation come to your house. And have you just thought that salvation was something to save you from hell? Didn't you know? Hasn't anybody told you it's an uttermost salvation? It's an uttermost salvation. Wherefore, God is able to save to the uttermost all those that come to him by Jesus. Our brother Don Double was telling us he found the sufficiency of the law when a box dropped on his toe. Well, amen. Well, it's in the impossible situation, brother. You can have the peace of God where you didn't think you could have it. Bless the Lord. 
I thought I was going to be here for the afternoon meeting, but I've been on the way from Newmarket since about half past one, struggling under the old car and dirt and grime and struggling with fan belts. But, uh, you know, there's something about this way, so blessed, you cannot push God out of circumstances and say, well, it's lovely to be in a glory meeting. Oh, that I could live in a glory meeting all the time. Well, you can. You can. You can. You can, brother. You can, sister. Because to live in a glory meeting, you only need the Lord and you, and you to be right with the Lord, and everything's all right now. Did you think, did you think, did you think for one moment that to be in a glory meeting, you'd got to be in the town hall here, or the Victoria Hall there, or the Guild Hall somewhere else? Thank God for every glory meeting where the glory people meet. But oh, brother, sister, it's bigger than that. It'll work anywhere. It's real. And listen, if it isn't real, I don't want it. I looked at my old tub of a car a few times and I thought, well, it, it keeps working. Well, that's the test. Sometimes it doesn't, but it does. It's the test. You say, brother, here's a watch. I'm very pleased to give you this watch, but it doesn't work. Well, I don't want it. And if you tell me of anything, whatever it is, if it doesn't work, well, I'm not interested. The test, the whole vital point about this way is it works. It's real. And listen, it will work in impossible situations. And that's the challenge. The bigger the challenge, the more the glory of God's in that situation. Oh, I, I've told this tale often, but I delight to tell it. I once stood in Doncaster Marketplace, and I saw a man there, and he had the strangest collection of things I've ever seen in my life. He opened a great big tin, and he showed the people such a collection of corns and carbuncles and, and bunions and so on. He said, look at these. He said, I cured people of corns. And he said, if there's a man or a woman in this audience, now, if you'll take your sock off and take your shoe off, he says, come forward. He says, I'll, I'll remove your corn. I'll cure you now. And he says, listen, the worse it is, the bigger it is, the better I like it. I, something in me thrilled when I heard that. I wasn't interested in the man with his corns, but I could see my Jesus and I could hear him saying, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. And oh, brother, sister, if there's one in this meeting tonight and you've reached wit's end corner, oh, I delight to tell you that my God's permanent address is wit's end corner. He lives there. He lives there. Yes. My God's permanent address is Whitsend Corner. And the place, the place that you've shrunk from and the place that you've been afraid of. And you've said, oh, whatever happens, whatever happens, I don't want to get to Whitsend Corner. It's a lovely spot if you did but know it. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Do you think I've not been there? Do you think there aren't people in this meeting who've not been there? I will admit this, though. I've not always been happy to stop there. No. But I tell you this, God's permanent address is Wits End Corner. And when you come to the end of yourself, then you begin with God. Oh, this way, my God established a testimony in Jacob. Is there a twister here tonight? Is there a twister, a liar, a schemer, a supplanter? Is there a man or a woman who's missed their way? 
is the one and you feel of all impossible people of impossible people I'm that person oh brother sister I delight to tell you that God the Father and Jesus Christ his son and the blessed Holy Spirit of God are here to wait upon you to minister to you and to set you free to set you free now what is it that sets free is it creed or dogmas or joining a church no the truth sets free the truth well, what is the truth? Rules and regulations put down by the Archbishop of Canterbury or the Bishop of London or the Pope of Rome? No. Well, what is truth? Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Well, what is thy word? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Look upon Jesus Christ, and you see the word manifest in the flesh. Look upon Jesus Christ, and you see the truth. And I tell you this, no man begins with truth till he first comes and bends at the foot of the cross. And that's where you start with truth. That's where you start with truth. You don't know the elementary principles of truth till you come to Jesus and bend there. I tell you, it begins there. And the tremendous thing about the truth is, every word of truth that man receives and accepts it as the word of God, it has a power within it to set you free. Is there anybody here in a vicious circle? Do you know what I mean? You've gone round and round and round and round and round and round. And there's been no way out for years. Oh, and there's some, some maybe even in this meeting, and you've been like a wreck on the rock. And you've hooted and you've blown your hooter, but the tide's gone out and it's left you high and dry. And you've struggled there. There have been times when the tide has come in. Ah, yes, and you missed the tide, and you know you've missed it. I know as a boy at Whitley Bay, I used to go down to the little, the little inlet that was near the mouth of the Tyne, and I used to stand there and watch. And in the winter when the fogs came, there were Norwegian timber vessels, and all kinds of merchant ships used to mistake the inlet that was just by Whitley Bay and Colourcourt as the mouth of the Tyne. And there's many a Norwegian timber vessel come up there thinking it was the mouth of the Tyne and got stranded on the rocks. And as a lad, I used to go down and watch these vessels on the rocks and waiting for the tide to come in. You can't just get off the rocks when you like. Oh, no, waiting for the tide to come in. Then the tugboats would come and the tugmasters, I don't know what they charge, perhaps 50 pounds a time. They'd say, oh, do you want a tug? And some men would think, well, like some captains would think I can get off under my own steam. And they'd try it, and the next tide would come in, and they'd nearly do it, and then the tide would break their back. And all the timber would be lost, and they'd have to take to the boats and get away as quickly as they could, and it was a total wreck. There are some people like that. I tell you, they've gone round and round and round and round in circles. They've missed the way, and they've missed God. And besides that, they've got to a place where they're stranded on the mud banks of indifference where they've been smitten down and where they're absolutely in helplessness on the rocks. And I tell you this, you can hoot and hoot and use your hooters as much as you like, but God has a time. Don't tell me that you can trifle with God and just at any moment and any time, please yourself, you go out when you like, but you come back when God says. It's God who gives repentance. And do you know how repentance comes? It's by the acknowledging of the truth which leads to repentance. Now Esau sought a place of repentance and with all his tears he couldn't find it. So don't think because the tears trickle down your cheeks you've got repentance. Esau wept but couldn't find a place of repentance. Why? Because he wouldn't have the truth. And when you have the truth you take the blame. 
And as soon as you take the blame, there's a power about that truth to set you free. And if there's one in this meeting tonight, and you've sat here in this meeting and you've listened, oh, and you've been aware that there's a freedom and an abandonment in the Holy Ghost among these people, you know deep down in your being that these people have got something. You are convinced of the reality. Though you've tried to push it off, you know that there's something here you haven't got. And I tell you this, this is you tonight. I tell you this, your tides come in tonight. And the Spirit of God has moved up to your heart's door. And as surely as God is in heaven and you're in this meeting tonight, if you'll have the truth and take the blame and cry, Oh, my God, while another's our calling, do not pass me by. Listen. He established a testimony in Jacob in a manner was impossible. And oh, I delight to proclaim and I delight to preach a gospel for impossible people because I was one of them. I was one of them. With God, all things are possible. And some of those things are here this night. Despise things, foolish things, base things, the things which are not to bring to naught, the things which are. But oh, I tell you, if you only see this one great truth, that with God, with God, all things are possible. And you can be one of those things. You don't like the word things. Up in the north of England, where I come from, when they forget your name, they shout across the street, Hey, singy, singy, I want you singy. And if you've got any dignity and any pride, you just walk on like this. <laughs> but if you're not bothered about names, well, you turn round and you go at the name Singy. Well, listen, God will have a name for you which will hurt your dignity and hurt your pride, but it'll set you free. There was a Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus, and Jesus said to her, it's not me to give the children's bread to dogs. You know what she said? Truth, Lord. She had it. Truth, Lord. Truth, Lord. But she says, even the dogs need of the crumbs. And I tell you, the swing doors have got to tell which you could have knocked her out brought her in. Have you ever tried to go opposite way to the swing doors? When they're coming this way, it's no good going that way. The only thing to do with the swing doors is get in the swing. Hallelujah. You'll soon be in. You'll soon be in. I tell you this, let God be true. Let God be true. If God calls you a worm, let God be true. He said to Jacob, fear not thou worm, Jacob. But I tell you, God calls you a worm. There's blessing in being a worm. You'll find that God has identified himself with a worm, and you say, well, Lord, if I am a worm, I'm you a little worm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, I tell you this, I'd rather be God's worm than the devil's lion. I'd rather be God's worm than the devil's lion. And I tell you, brother, sister, if God comes to you in this meeting, and the only thing that he calls you is a worm, well, take it and receive it. A dog, take it and receive it. Because there's something where, if you go with the swing of God's swing doors, you enter into the royal hotel. Go against the swing doors, go against the swing doors, and you find yourself with a smack in the face, and you find yourself sitting in the gutter, and you don't know whether you're coming or going. Because you've missed the way. And the way's ever so easy. Did somebody tell you that it was hard to be a Christian? Has someone been round your back door saying, Oh, but you know, it's hard to follow the Lord. It's hard to be a Christian. Do you know what Jesus says? He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Are you going to let God be true? He says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. 
This is my yoke's easy. Oh, but you say, well, what is it that's hard? I'll tell you what's hard. The word of God declares the way of the transgressor is hard. And I found the way hard when I'm out of the way, not when I'm in it. It's hard when you're out of it. It's hard when you're kicking. I tell you, it's hard when you're kicking. The Lord says to Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And I understand those old plowmen out there in the east, they got a kind of a goad with knobs on, and if the old oxen didn't shift in the plow, they got a prick. And if they kicked back on the prick, they got it double. Well, it's hard to kick against God, brother. Sister, it's ever so hard to kick against God, but it's so easy if you take the yoke. Go in the swing doors the right way. Not the wrong way, the right way. Swing in. One more word and I'm finished. If someone had told you there's a glory meeting on at Petford, now the way to get there is ever so simple. You go up the road and you get a number such and such bus and you get off at such a place, you turn left, you turn right, cross the market and you're there. Or they might say to you, well, um, go this way, that way, so on, wait till you come to the signpost there and so on. Or they might say second left, first right and so on. But now if a company of people landed at this meeting, and they've got, mind you, I'm not much better than I, but I've been struggling with a fan belt off. I'm all dirty and one thing and another, but never mind. If a company of people landed at this meeting tonight, and they were all up to mud and wet from their knees downwards, and they were cut and bleeding on their faces, and their hair all on end, and their clothes all pulled about, you'd say, well, what's the matter, brother? What's the matter, sister? You look as though you've been dragged through a hedge backwards. And you said, well, we've been coming to the glory meeting. I say, coming to the glory meeting? Well, which way did you come? <laughs> well, uh, 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 you see, we crossed a couple of fields. We couldn't find a way out, so we climbed over a prickly hawthorn hedge. One or two of us couldn't climb, so we were dragged through backwards. And then we fell in a stream at the other side, and we got all wet and all mud. And then there was a bull in that field, and we had to run for it. And, 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 and we, had, we had a real rough time. And then, because we didn't want to stop to argue with the bull, we had to climb through a barbed wire fence, and it ripped, it ripped my skirt, and it ripped his trousers. And, and that's why we're in this day. Do you know what you say? You say, oh, brother, oh, sister, you've missed the way. You've missed the way. It's ever so easy to get to the town hall, Petford. You don't have to climb through barbed wire and get chased by bulls and wade through ditches and get all cut and bleeding and torn. You've missed the way. And I tell you, brother, sister, I'm settled on one thing. Let God be true. And this glory way is an easy way. And it's only hard when you're out of the way. Now, if there's a Jacob in this meeting, I say to you, brother, sister, my friend, my God established a testimony in Jacob. Selling ice cream at the North Pole or fur coats at the equator isn't half so wonderful as a God can do with people who are on the scrap heap, people who are in the dustbin, and they put themselves there and put the lid off. But with God, all things are possible.
We sung a chorus over and over again this afternoon. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now notice these words. You may have sung it many, many times and been right in the spirit and yet missed something vital in those words. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I found it so. He leadeth me by day and by night. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. My brother, my sister, there's something about the witness of the Spirit that you and I need to mark. That which the Holy Ghost witnesses to. I've heard people say, you know the Christian life is a hard life. Have you ever had a witness on that? But when the Spirit of God brings, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, I tell you, as far as I'm concerned, times out of number, I've had a witness from God that the Christian's yoke, which is the yoke of Jesus, is an easy one, and his burden is light. Shall I tell you what is hard? The way of the transgressor is hard, but his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Now, there's one thing about it. He says, take it. Take it. Take it. Take my yoke upon you. Take it. Take it. The yoke there. Take it. My brother, my sister, the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ is easy and his burden is light. Take it. Take it. You say, what about to take? What's on your plate, brother? What's on your plate, sister? Take it. Take it. And amen to God. And something will happen inside. There'll be a song begin to rise when you embrace that which God has put right on your plate. Take it. His yoke is easy. And I'll tell you something else. You think it, I found it so. Make your heart a liar. You found it so. And if there's someone here and you've got an answer back to God, you're back answering to God, and you say, no, it's not so. You can put those words on your lips to make your heart a liar. I found it so. And I tell you, whether you believe it or not, you have found it so. You have found it so. His yoke is easy. And I'll tell you what you found hard. You found it hard when you've been out of the way. You found it hard when you've been kicking. You found it ever so hard when you've been transgressing. Because it's the way transgressor is hard. But the Christian's way is an easy way. An easy way. I tell you, there's ease in this way. There's peace in this way. There's blessing in this way. Oh, there's such comfort in this way. Better to have peace than a peaceable life. You know the difference? Do you know the difference between peace and a peaceable life? Somebody was once asked to draw a picture of peace, and one man drew a beautiful picture of a, an, a, an old rustic mill by the bridge and all the rest of it, and the little stream running through the, the meadows and the cattle there and the bushes and the trees, and he put underneath peace. And another man drew a picture of peace, and it was a stormy, rock-bound coast, and the waves were lashing up mountains high. And right there in the rock, there was a little bit of a cleft, and inside the little cleft, there was a little bit of a nest, and on the nest, there was a little bird. And the little bird was sitting there on its nest, in the cleft, surrounded by the rocks, and the waves were lashing outside, but that was that man's idea of peace. I tell you this, the peace of God is something that does not come to you through your circumstances. That's happiness. Happiness depends upon what happens. That's happiness. It depends upon what happens. But the peace of God does not depend upon what happens. And though all hell be against you, I tell you, the, the Lord can just put it, put it, put it right in your heart. And you may have everything to upset you outside, everything in your circumstances that looks like stormy waves and a rock-bound coast, but deep down in your heart, the peace of God is keeping you. Now, the peace of God has a purpose in the plan of God. It's a purpose that the peace should keep you. It isn't just to be enjoyed like jam on bread. 
But the purpose of the piece is that it should keep you in the way. Keep you happy under the yoke. Because it's your lift, other yokes crash. Other yokes crash and they're burdened. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because this burden lifts. It doesn't crush down, it lifts up. It's altogether contrary to anything we've ever known before. Bless his lovely name. Hallelujah. There's something so sweet, so blessed, so delightful about the way of the law. Will you put it on your lips this afternoon that his yoke is easy and his burden is light and add this bit, you found it so. You found it so. Go back in your life to the places where you've made God a liar. Go back to the places where you've fallen out with God. And at that particular point, say, Lord, it wasn't you that was wrong, it was me that was all wrong. Your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and I found it so. I found it so. I found it so. I found it so. His yoke is easy, his burden is light, and I found it so. Amen. 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 Is the one, is the one in this meeting this afternoon, and you think you've had a bad do, you've had a hard lot. Is the one, is the one particular individual in this meeting and your life has been marked again and again by judgments that you've passed against the God who's been so gracious to you and you've let that thought live in your heart. Ah, it's hard being a Christian. It's a hard life to be a Christian. It's a hard way. My brother, go back to that spot and make God true. Let God be true and make your own heart a liar. Make God true by receiving the word of God where you've put it out and say, Lord, it was easy. It was easy. Now, you may sound as though you're being crazy. You may sound as though you're being absolutely foolish because you say, well, I know I found it hard. Well, you found it hard because you were transgressing. You were out of the way. You were judging the Lord. You were making him a liar. The Lord said to Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That's where it comes hard. You know, when the old oxen were pulling the plough along, they had a goad with, with, with prickles on or something. And when they didn't move, they gave him a jab. And if they didn't like it, then they kicked back. Well, they kicked onto the prick. And the more they kicked, the worse it was. Well, haven't you found something like that? The more you kick, the worse it is. But his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And there's something, oh, in the peace of God, something that, 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 that can keep you in the way. It keeps you in the way. Once you're out of that way, then you begin to find things troublesome. Then you begin to find things difficult. Go back at every point where you made God a liar, you know, like old, uh, old Isaac, wasn't it? Where he says, oh, he says, all these things are against me. Have you ever said such things to God? Have you ever, ever let such a thought dominate you and govern you in your daily walk? I know you perhaps wouldn't let the thing live in a meeting, in a glory meeting here, but there's something in the plan of God where a glory meeting can be any hour of the day or night because you meet him. You meet him. Sister, this thing's real and it works. But it's so real and it so works that it makes you jump. See? But you don't jump without a cause for jumping. You jump because he's so wonderful. And you'll find you'll jump higher than ever. Amen. You meet him. And in meeting him, it's a glory meeting. You say, well, glory to God. Everything's lovely and everything's right. Now, I see this. I am no higher than I am at my lowest moment, whether it's at the wash tub on a Monday or whether it's on a Tuesday afternoon or a Saturday. To me, to pigeonhole God to a meeting between 3 o'clock and 7 o'clock on a Sunday or 11 in the morning and pigeonhole God and be on the mountaintop then and then sink down somewhere else, I am no higher than I am at my lowest moment. And I look at that particular spot and I say, Lord, there, at that 
spot there is where I must see thy glory. That's the spot where his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And you know, when things begin to rise up, and things begin to seem as though they're going to crush you, and things seem to be going all wrong, just at that point, there's life in the word of God. He says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Now, there, there comes this particular point. Joy and peace is in believing, but it doesn't precede believing. Joy and peace does not come before believing. Joy and peace is in believing. Amen. See the difference? If you put the cart before the horse and you're looking for the, looking for the cart when you should be looking for the horse, you get into a muddle. And if you are going to build on joy and peace instead of believing, you, be, you, you begin to look at feelings. We're back again as we were as new converts. But there's something where I rest on the word of God. Now there's joy and peace that comes out of that. Joy and peace is in believing, but it doesn't precede it. The word of the Lord says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. There's once a farmer, I think it was a farmer, he said to his friend, or his employee, I don't know who it was, he says, listen, you know that old well at the bottom of the garden? He says, I've dropped something down there, right at the bottom. Now he said, you'll find a bit of rope down the garden, now take it and go down and get that. I don't know whether it was an axe or something. He says, go and get it, it's at the bottom of the well. Fellow goes down the garden, finds the rope, ties it at the top, and he throws it over down into the well. And he begins to go down, hand under hand, down this well. It's dark and it's muddy and it's damp. But anyway, he goes down and he says, uh, the master said the rope was long enough. And he comes down and down and down till he gets right down at the end of the rope. And he begins to feel for another handful of rope and there isn't any. And instead of feeling so cold and damp, he begins to warm up and he begins to sweat a bit. And he begins to think, I wonder how far it is to the bottom. I wonder how far I've got to drop. And then he says, the master said the rope was long enough. Well, it isn't. What shall I do? And he's in a sweat. And then he begins to think, well, can I climb back again? Have I got the strength to climb back again? I, I, I don't know whether I have. I, I don't know this. I don't know that. And, and all of a sudden, he's in a turn-up. One thing stands. The master said the rope was long enough. But he's, he, he's overwhelmed by his feelings. And he's believing what he feels. So he's in the car properly. And at last, he finds his strength beginning to go. And he hasn't strength to climb back again without a rest. His arms are aching and breaking. And he thinks, well, I shall have to let go. And he just wonders how many dizzy yards he's going to drop and what's going to happen to him. And his last thought before he lets go is this. The master said the rope was long enough. And it slips through his fingers and down he drops. Two inches. That's all. Two inches. There he'd been suffering agony on the end of the rope with his feet two inches off the bottom of the well. But because he hadn't believed what had been told him, he was in an upheaval. There's many and many a time you and I have come to our rope's end, many and many a time, and we've made God a liar. My brother, my sister, there's something where in the plan and the purpose of God, the Holy Ghost witnesses to something. And if you haven't had a witness, I've had one this afternoon that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Follow that witness. Some of you may be seen Bibles with red marks. Red, don't emphasizing this, that, and the other. You follow in a meeting, that which the Holy Ghost emphasizes. Follow in your life, that which the Holy Ghost emphasizes, because he's the spirit of truth. And anything he witnesses to is the truth. You'll never have a witness that the Christian's life is a hard one. You'll never have a witness from the spirit of God on that. And I tell you, there are lots of other things you believe, and you've never had a witness on them. You've never had a witness on them. But anything that the Holy Ghost is witness to, you can put your all on it. You can go down that rope, and though everything seems against it, and though it seems like a black, dark well, and it's damp, and your strength is giving out, and everything screams in your ears that everything's wrong, the Master said the rope was long enough. You can build everything and put everything on the Master's word, because you've had a witness. 
I know you seem to be in the soup, but it'll only be two inches from the bottom. It'll turn out all right because his joke is easy and his burden is light. Glad to see Arthur Burt this afternoon. Come on, Arthur, come and have a go. I like that word Brother Tom gave us just now, that his name. You see, the name sells the goods. I think that's what Brother Tom said. The name sells the goods, but his name is the goods. Amen. His name is the goods. That's all the difference. Here, right. All the difference. <clears throat> one of the little things that, uh, one of the little things, one of the big things that I, I've discovered or the Lord showed me is just this. To side with God is one of the sweetest, greatest privileges that a human being can have. Now, it's just here. Most of you know it off by heart. But anyway, I'll just read it to you. It's one little verse. It's in the book of Romans. It's chapter 8. Everybody knows it. The last time I read it, I was just in the process of reading it when a policeman came in. <clears throat> and... Uh, he accosted me about having meetings and holding meetings and so on. Uh, it was just right. It was counsel and work going together. This was only three weeks ago, by the way. Romans chapter 8, and this is what it says. <clears throat> Verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? What shall we then say to these things? I just got as far as that, then the copper walked in. Hallelujah. <clears throat> What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Yes. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Yes. Glory! Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen. <clears throat> Supposing I was on my way from A to B, 
and I have a puncture, a breakdown. It's the middle of the night. It's two o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> and I'm stuck. It's howling with wind. It's thrashing down with rain, and, and, and everything seems to be against me. Oh, dear. What do we, oh, I know. Uh, I wonder. wonder if I could phone Bob up. I wonder if he'd find it in his heart to get out of his bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and come and rescue me. I'm 45 miles away. I, I, I wonder. Maybe, I wonder if I perhaps get Hilda to give him a prize. Maybe she could influence him. I wonder. Well, I'll phone him. And Bob comes up. I say, Bob, look, I, I, I'm in an awful mess here. I don't know what to do. Could you help me? It's 2 in the morning. I'm stranded. I'm stuck. Now, he comes out and he drives 45 miles and he picks me up and he brings me home, brings me back to his house, takes me in, gives me a nice warm bed and a nice meal and I'm so thrilled about it and I'm so grateful and I think, well, thank you, Bob, bless you, brother. And then the next morning, I'm having boiled eggs for breakfast and the salt is at the other end of the table. And I think, oh, well, I, I, I wonder if I could ask Bob to pass the salt. I wonder whether it would be all right. I, I wonder if it would be in order. I, I do like a bit of salt with my egg, but I wonder if he'd mind. Oh, dear, and they've given me tea, and I, I don't like tea. I wonder if I could ask for a drink of water. I wonder whether... Bob would be upset if I asked for a drink of water. Listen, a man who'll come out of his bed in the middle of the night at two in the morning and drive 45 miles to pick me up in the wet, in the rain, in the cold and bring me home at two o'clock in the morning has proved something. I'm not going to have any difficulty in asking him to pass the salt or to get me a drink. The greater includes the lesser. And if he didn't spare of his comfort and his time and his petrol to come out at two o'clock in the morning and to rescue me and fetch me back, I have confidence to come into his presence and say, please, Bob, will you pass the salt? Please, Bob, do you mind if I have a drink of water? How do I know it? He that spared not of this shall he not freely give me that. Do you see something? God didn't rob heaven of an angel. Neither did God take some jewel out of heaven's crown. God took that which he had only one of. Now, most people are generous with that which they've got a lot of. You children, if you've got a bag of sweets, it's an easy thing to offer somebody one. And if you've got a lot of anything, you can easily spare one. But God only had one and spared not of the one. And it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now do you see something here? If he gave his only son, when he had given his only son, then God had no sons. And God became poor. Well, he must. God has known poverty because he gave his only begotten son. Now then, the wonder of it is on the divine principle that you get to live... God now has millions of sons. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're not called angels. We're not uh, exalted to the estate of foreman in heaven or something. We're made sons. 
God now has millions of sons. But he spared not of his only son, and so shall he not with him freely give us all things. Can I encourage somebody here? You're a bit bothered about asking the Lord for a pair of shoes. Well, listen, he that spared not his son, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Well now, what shall we say then to these things, if God be for us? If God be for us. Do you believe this afternoon that God is for you? Well now, just a minute. There's only one way God will ever be for you, and that is you've got to be for him. You've got to side with him. And if once you've sided with him, now the Lord Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Once you've sided with God, now you're in business. Hallelujah. You're in big business once you've sided with God. I, I picked up a little leaflet the other day by Len Jones, and it was called Making Friends with Trouble. Do you make friends with trouble? Hallelujah. <laughs> made friends with trouble? Or declared war on it? Now, make friends with trouble. Because there isn't any, if you'll believe it. And what a man believes rules it. Oh, yes, sir. If you know what I've got. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what you've got. They're after you. They're after you. The what? They're after you. Who? What? They've been following you all day. Goodness and mercy. <laughs> and do you know something about evil? In the Psalms it says, there shall no evil befall thee. Now what can be evil to other people? It isn't evil to the child of God. Now this is either, this is either real and practical and it works, or, it, or, or, or it's a lot of baloney. Well, what do you think? Well now, there's no such thing as waste in life. Waste is caused through lack of revelation. Once you've got revelation, there's no such thing as waste. What do you do with your rags and bones? Oh, well, they're waste. Well, they're not waste to some people. They're big business to some people. The days of giving you balloons and the kiddies running around with arms full of, uh, of rags to get a goldfish in a jam jar have gone, basically. Now it's big business. They come around in the big lorries and they put your uh, tight leaflets and printed letters through the door and we'll be around and so on and we'll leave you a little carrier to put them in and so on. And they're after your waste because to them it isn't waste, it's money. Someone said to me that waste paper, if you've got the right contact, is worth... 20 pounds, was it? 20 pounds a ton, a pound a hundredweight. I tried it, but they didn't give me a pound for my hundredweights. But still, the, the, the thing is this, waste paper is of value. Any gardener knows who's got a garden what to do with your waste. You've got a compost heap. Stick your old rotten tomatoes on it. Your potato peelings, uh, your faded lettuce leaves, your cabbage stalks, put them on and they go back and they feed the ground. And to a keen gardener, there's no such thing as waste. All the toasts all burned. Oh. Well, what are you going to do with it? Well, it's no good, isn't it? Well, there's a fellow up the road keeps pigs. Put it in the bucket, send it to him, it'll be back on your table in six months as bacon. <laughs> Well, is it or isn't it? 
Now, there's a lot to do with your waist. I remember a man years ago saying to me, he'd gone, got one of these great big tankers, 4,500 gallon tankers of petrol. And he said, you know, the day is gone when petrol is a number one product. He said, we used to pay men to dump the base, the bitumen, the pitch. We used to pay men to dump it. Now, he said, the bitumen's a number one product for British roads. And petrol is an auxiliary product. He says, we, we, we sell it off to other companies. And the bitumen's the number one product. Things have reversed. That which was waste, that which was just pitch, dump, base, is now a number one product. You could go on and on and on and on and on. I remember as a lad belting out in the middle of the road with a bucket and a spade, bucket and a shovel every time the old horse went by. To me, I was growing mushrooms. And whilst other people just uh, passed by, I didn't. To me, I saw potentials in it. You see? Saw potentials in it. Now then, waste isn't waste if you've got an attitude. But most people, blind unbelief is sure to scan. Huh. Yes. Scan his works in vain. Because you don't see the possibilities and the potentialities that God has. Oh, hallelujah. You could go on and on and on. I tell you, these days, everything's being used, even the scum on your rivers. Everything. Everything. Doesn't matter what you touch today, they've got a use for it. Because with the increase of knowledge, there's no such thing as waste. Make lemonade with your lemons. Instead of them setting all your teeth on edge, sweeten them, make lemonade with your lemons. Well, now, how does this work? What shall we say then to these things? Have I learned, have you learned how to so side with God that you see God in what is called trouble and by siding with God and saying amen to, to the God who has permitted the trouble, question mark, you now find that you can use the trouble. Men saw the wind blowing, and there were men who harnessed the wind and utilized it in windmills. Great big hydroelectric plants away up there in Scotland and all over, where millions and billions and trillions of gallons are rolling down the mountains. But some man saw ways and means of harnessing the water to produce light and power, so that no longer should it just bubble and gush and burst, and go into the sea to be lost, but that it should be harnessed. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you at this moment have anything that you term in your life trouble? All right, here's the recipe. Take one load of trouble, bring it out, and spread it out. <clears throat> Now, view it in the light of the Holy Spirit of God, your trouble. What is your trouble? Well, have you lived in our street? Well, I don't, but never mind. <clears throat> it's the man next door. Well, what does he, what does he do? He has that... Keep our language right. He has that uh, <clears throat> wireless going with a bedroom window open. My children can't get to sleep. It's always on. Then, of course, there's the ginger-haired milkman. He always leaves the gate open. He leaves all the dirty milk bottles to collect and collect and collect. Never bothers to take them away. 
Uh-huh. If you'd married my wife. Well, I didn't. You did. It's him. I come from, look, now listen, now listen to me. I, I've been at a lovely meeting. I've been lost in heaven. And then I've got to come down to earth. I get back home. There he is, stuck in front of the fire. Sprawled out. The fire's gone. There he is. News of the world spread over his face, snoring like a pig. And, 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 and nothing done. Nothing. Now, if it, what, what, what are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? Now, I tell you this. Unless you find God in the hour of trouble, you haven't really found him. See, you haven't really found him because unless you know what to do with trouble. <clears throat> now, the Sermon of the Mount, the Lord Jesus says, he that would compel thee, trouble, he that would compel, you ever been compelled? He that would compel thee, go with it. Modern phraseology, are you with it? <clears throat> go with him, the second mile. Now, I'm so delighted to declare that this works. I've not been saved 41 years without having a few ups and downs. <clears throat> and I found I've had quite a bit of trouble in my life. And finally, I found out that the only trouble I have is a fellow called Arthur Burt. It's wonderful when you find that out. It is. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> now you see, something begins to happen. You now begin to adjust yourself. You adjust yourself. You begin to ride the storms. You begin to go with it. And you now begin to know how to catch a cricket ball. Well now, what does this mean in basic Christian living? Right. Instead of sitting in your motor car, complaining all day long about a foggy day, get your duster out and wipe the condensation from the inside of your windscreen. It isn't a foggy day. It's all the condensation and steam on the inside of your windscreen. You wipe that off and you'll now find the sky is blue and the sun is shining. Now by an adjustment. Now how do I... Well look, everything in this house is wrong. Everything. The vacuum cleaner doesn't work. He doesn't bother. He never bothers. He sails in and out, sings his psalms, but he's no good. He's so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good at all. The washer doesn't work. Look, the taps are all dripping. They all need washers on them. It doesn't matter what it is. Everything's wrong. Now then, what am I going to do? Well, you meet God. You've got to side with God. That's the first thing. You side with God. You meet God in the situation. And you say, Father, in your wisdom, you have allowed what in your power you could have prevented. Now you bow at the shrine of his wisdom as gladly as you bow at the shrine of his power. And you say, Lord, this wrong thing is right. Well, how can a wrong thing be right? Don't talk. Well, whilst the thing is wrong, it's right to me because it got through the ticket barrier and it's on the platform now maybe it can't follow me onto the train but anyway I've got to meet it on the platform somehow it's got through it's got a platform ticket if it doesn't got a, a, a ticket for the train so I've got to meet it on the platform 
Now then, I meet this situation and I say, Lord, I thank you for this. Because in your infinite wisdom, you have permitted this in my life. Now, you do not say amen to a forgetful husband. You say amen to God who has allowed you to be married to a forgetful husband. You see? Now, this is the way you keep your peace. You say, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. He's the best husband in all the world. For me. For me. Thank you, Father. She's the best wife in all the world. For me. See? You localize it. You bring it down to earth. For me. Now then, you meet your trouble. You haven't got that. Because you said amen to Father. Now you are not ready for a move until you've said amen to the situation you're at present in. Now when you're happy to stay in it, you're ready to move out of it. But while ever you're itching, while ever you're itching to move out of it, you're not ready to move out of it. You better stop in it. Because God's doing something to deal with the itch and the chafe and the fret and the fume and the frustration that's in you. How do you get patience? Tribulation work of patience. Oh Lord, give me patience. He will. <laughs> he will. Now this is how it works. Oh, oh. Well, what can you do with a fellow like that? And he's in my bedroom too. I tried to keep it tidy. Him, everything scattered around. Snores, I can't get to sleep at night. Well, what are you going to do? You meet God in the situation. Meet God in the situation and say amen to God. What shall we say then to these things? Well, you can't say anything until you side with God. Now, Joseph had learned the lesson. He'd had revelation thousands of years ago. He had revelation from God. And he looked at his brethren, and when his brethren were almost knocking at the knees and afraid that he was going to put them in prison or slay them, and, 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 and they were all hit up and worried and upset, Joseph just looked at them with such a lovely, sweet smile, and he says, it's all right, boys. It's all right, boys. You didn't ever do me any harm. It was not you. It was God. Oh, I tell, brother, sister, if I've stopped here a million years, I couldn't emphasize how vital the revelation of Joseph is. It's one of the most wonderful revelations in the Bible. Joseph had learned the secret. It's not you, but God. Now everything screams in your ears that it is then. Well, of course it was then. Didn't they betray him? Didn't they sell him to the Ishmaelites? Didn't they plot and scheme against him? Didn't they hate him? He says, it wasn't you, it was God. It was God's way, God's school, God's apprenticeship to produce in Joseph that which he needed to become prime minister of all Egypt. Did you think that God will ever do anything in you on flowery beds of ease? Listen, whoever had a child that ever wanted to walk Mommy, let me get in the pram. No, you're not getting... Daddy, give me a piggyback up the hill. No. Well, why are we so hard with them? Because the calves 
of the legs, the muscles, will never develop if you piggyback a child and push it round in a pram. It's got to learn. And it learns only one way. Well, what do you expect? Do you want to be pushed round in a pram forevermore? Spoon-fed? Always on milk? Never coming to meat? Do you always want God to piggyback you? Well now, amen. Well, I tell you this, once you see it, once you see it, you can have the greatest ride of your life. Yes, once you see it. But you have to settle this. There's only one way, and Jesus declared it. He says, I and my Father are one. There's no strikes in heaven. There's no splits between Father and Son. He's one with the Father. Do you know the purpose of God for your life? But you also can stand and say, I and my Father are one. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God.